From deep in the heart of the swamp, this is Gator Tales, the official podcast of the Florida Gators. Gator Tales is brought to you by UF Health, the official healthcare provider of the Florida Gators. Welcome to Gator Tales. I'm your host, Adam Schick. It was a busy week across the board for the Gators, and with spring cleaning in season, baseball set the tone by bringing brooms to Oxford and sweeping the defending national champions. On today's show, we'll welcome FloridaGators.com senior writers Scott Carter and Chris Harry and the voice of the Gators, Sean Kelly, to discuss the bats going bombs away at Ole Miss, softball's mixed results in Fayetteville, a strong WNIT run coming to an end for women's basketball, standout performances from the NCAA Swimming and Diving Championships, and our favorite fictional sports characters from Hollywood in the PAT. Then, rising junior running back Montrell Johnson shares his path to Gainesville, what he learned in his first year as a Gator, and why the food in Florida just doesn't hold up to the high standards of the Louisiana native. But first, it's time for the Gator Roundtable, presented by Pet Paradise. Pet Paradise is your complete pet health care destination with resort-style day camp, overnight boarding, professional grooming, and compassionate veterinary care from New Day, all located under one roof to serve pet fanatics like you. Book today at PetParadise.com, the official pet care provider of the Florida Gators. We are happy to have a full roundtable in session today. It is the voice of the Gators, Sean Kelly, returning alongside FloridaGators.com senior writers Scott Carter and Chris Harry. And guys, let's start by talking about baseball. What a week it's been. Uh, we talked about this time last week going into Ole Miss, a huge test on the road, the defending national champions, a big early SEC series. Uh, and I would say they passed with flying colors a sweep that has the Gators on the up and up and uh, more more headlines for Jack Caglione. Yeah, I wouldn't say that they passed everything over the weekend, but they did enough, and this team is proving that they can win in a lot of different ways. The starting pitching was not what we've come to know so far this season, but the bullpen was outstanding. Caglione had another weekend that earns him SEC Player of the Week honors with like eight others. Um, I don't know what's going on with the SEC, but we can't have it. We can't have a SEC player or pitcher of the week. We seem to have to have multiples there. And again, the young man from Vanderbilt had a great week, but Caglione did too. And he continues to lead the nation in home runs, albeit by not very much, but still at 17 and a homer in each game of the series, it was pretty outstanding. And to do it in the atmosphere that is Oxford, albeit against uh, a rebel team right now, that's, a little shorthanded pitching-wise. It was a very good weekend and a very good week in all that started last week with the win at Florida State. So this team now is 22-4, and four, and I started to think, is this the best 25-26 game start in the program's history? Actually, it's not. They're one off the pace. The 2016 team had the better mark, but certainly they're in good shape, and at 5-1 and one in the conference um, through two weekends is also something very good as well because one of those series – obviously was on the road at Ole Miss. So this offense continues to score runs. They're getting production up and down the lineup from freshmen to vets uh, to two-way guys. And, uh, and again, the bullpen was outstanding over the weekend. It was a big reason why they were able to win two on Saturday 
and then one on Sunday. While Caglione wasn't his best on the mound on Sunday, I have to think that some of it had to do with the fact that he he played as the first baseman in a, 18 innings of work on Saturday. So all in all, a good a good weekend and a good now start through two weekends of the SEC schedule. Yeah, baseball knocking the cover off it at the moment. Uh, softball, on the other hand, went up to Arkansas. And Chris, they, you know, they, they took a game there, but I think they also showed what we've seen early on, which is that uh, the pitching is not quite where they'd like it to be. I think that Tim Walton was pretty upfront about that when we spoke to him at the start of the year. Um, but Arkansas, as we noted, has become one of the better programs in the SEC and in the country, and huge crowds all weekend in Fayetteville, and ultimately Florida couldn't take the series, but again, probably learned a little bit more about where they need to improve. Yeah, the game two of the uh, series in Fayetteville, uh, Florida won 11-4 and had a, was a big big fifth inning, and at that it was the second largest crowd in Arkansas history, and uh, we talked about last week how they had uh, sunk so much of a financial commitment into upgrading that program, which, you know, 10 years ago was one of the worst in the country, probably the worst in the league. And then last year won the league. Um, but uh, uh, Florida won that game 11 to four, uh, put together some hits, uh, did some small ball like they're capable of doing. But then Sunday's game, um, all Arkansas, they lost, they lost 14 to one to lose in that series. So, What's going on with Florida right now? If you, if you look at the statistics, um, they lead the league in 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 overall hitting, but then when you get to conference play hitting, it's right in the middle of the pack. So um, feasting a little bit on those on those midweeks and those non conference games and padding some stats a little bit. But as you get into the SEC every year, obviously it's a brutal conference, and so Florida's going to have to find some way to to carry over that hitting that they do in midweek into those weekend series, you know, where Charlotte Eccles is hitting, say, 320 on the season. I think she's around 260 uh, in conference play. And a lot of players have that have that kind of drop-off. So um, there's there's an adjustment, obviously. The, the teams get better. The pitching gets better. Um, and so, you know, Florida's trying to figure some things out right now. But uh, it's early on. We know what Tim Walton is, is capable of doing as the, as the season progresses. And um, next series this weekend – they go to South Carolina um, next weekend at, at home against Auburn. So you know, let's 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 revisit it in, in, in a in a in a couple of weeks and see exactly where the Gators stand after that. Yeah, it's a good a, a good get well opportunity. South Carolina and then at home against Auburn and Georgia, um, which in the past were some of the better teams in the SEC. Not so much these days. So a good opportunity for them to to try and get those numbers up, as you said, and get some SEC wins. Um, I want to talk some some football now, and again, there hasn't been a ton of news coming out of spring practice. Most of the heat this week of football is about pro day, which is coming up on Thursday. Uh, but what have we what have we taken away from the last week of spring football since we last checked in, Scott? Well, I think you know we're getting to the midway point of camp. You got the the spring game starting to creep up, and uh, you know the focus has been, I think, a lot on the quarterbacks, and uh, you know the media did talk to them uh this week and to get their their uh kind of uh, feelings on how things are going i mean both quarterbacks jack miller and graham merch downplayed the competition as you expect max brown also talked the the freshman even though the baseball team was out at ole miss he was here uh with the football team uh getting some reps and um i i think what people are talking about adam is just Getting a look at these guys. I mean, they didn't really get a much look out of uh, 
Jack Miller until the bowl game, and that was not the best look for sure. I mean, he was very disappointed. And that performance talked about how it re, uh, kind of fueled him in the offseason. And then, of course, they go out and sign Mertz, which uh, refueled him a little more. <laughs> uh, but Mertz, I think, you know, he just comes across as a natural leader uh, at the position. And, you know, that does mean something uh, when you have a talent around you. But we'll see what it means with him because, he, you know, he's coming into a program with a lot of new players and uh, a lot of people that we haven't seen on the field. So it's just we're in that learning mode, really. When you say there's not a lot of news and stuff, it's true. It's just kind of a learning mode. I guess a couple of notable items, Key, uh, Keon Zipper, the tight end, you know, he injured his knee. Going to be out for a while, and they're already missing uh, Jonathan Odom at that position. So obviously that's going to create some opportunity for some people. And uh, otherwise, um, just waiting to see these guys in action. You know, we're watching right now also the introduction or reintroduction of a couple of key assistant coaches, one of which is Billy Gonzalez, who returns to the Gators as the wide receivers coach. I talked to Ty Bowman, one of the Florida wide receivers this week, and uh, it's quickly becoming a very good room in that for Ty, it reminds him of a lot of coaches he had in his younger days. And that's been a welcome addition to this wide receiver group that the Billy Gonzalez style is a bit of a throwback. And for some of these guys, it's it's an old feeling that comes back to them in this new world of college football. And so it was interesting to hear Ty's thoughts on that and how that relationship is working and where it's rooted in right now. And so I found that to be kind of an interesting twist here in spring football. And of course, the spring game coming up in a few weeks. We're not quite there yet, but in a few weeks we'll be there. And of course, we'll talk more about it when that does happen. I want to turn our attention to women's basketball now. We talked about them a week ago in a a very intriguing matchup they had in the WNIT against Clemson and their old head coach, Amanda Butler. Uh, They did go on the road and win that game. They made it to what is called the Great Eight of the WNIT. Uh, They lost this week at Bowling Green, so their season comes to an end. But, you know, a solid run. They won three games uh, and built a little momentum out of that and and also had a, a huge win on the recruiting trail this week with a, a five-star coming in, one of the top players in the country. So a good ending for women's basketball. Not where they wanted to be, but at least a good a good place to, to reset from. Last week, uh, Gators went to Clemson and probably a bigger game for, for Amanda than it would have been for for, these, for the, 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 the coaching staff uh, here at Florida and, and the players, um, you know, given that none of them were around when Amanda um, – uh, left the program, you know, what was it, five or six, five or six years ago? But uh, big win for the Gators coming coming back and 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 winning that game on the road at Clemson. I'm sure uh, Amanda wanted to win that one very very badly, uh, but Florida went up and shot the ball really really well. I think they hit uh, 12 three pointers in the game, shot close to 50 percent for the game. They didn't turn the ball over hardly at all. And um, what that did was bought them a, a, a trip to the quote-unquote grade eight to Bowling Green and a chance to get to the final four of the WNIT. And then it all just kind of uh, fell apart. Um, so from what I understand from the game, uh, the Gators with that, with that logo can always, uh, can always draw a crowd. Even you know, in a WNIT uh, Elite Eight game uh, up in Bowling Green, Ohio, the fans came out, students came out, showed up, and gave a pretty ruckus uh, uh, response to Florida being in town. And they just, uh, they just kind of took over the game and finished Florida season at 18 and 15. 
Um, but the news wasn't completely terrible. Obviously, you referenced it, Adam. Uh, the Gators got a commitment from a top 15 prospect out of Hopkins, Minnesota. Uh, I think if I mention her name, I may have to cite myself for an NCAA violation <laughs> until her, uh, until, until her uh, name is on the dotted line. It's a top 20 player, and that may, you know make that two top 20 uh, ESPN top uh, uh, ranked players that uh, Kelly Ray has been able to uh, lure into the fold for next season. Um, I know for a fact being over there, uh, Zippy Broughton is uh, is rehabbed and and back playing and shooting and getting ready for a return for next season. Also, uh, Florida should have a solid complement. You know, you never know with the transfer portal, of course, but should have a solid complement. Of players returning and um, still a little, still a little bit of momentum with this program. So uh, Kelly Ray, her, her first year as full-time coach, has something to build on, uh, both on and off the court, uh, heading into the offseason. We talked about some some big individual accomplishments in track and field a couple weeks ago, uh, and similar news to report from the NCAA Swimming and Diving Championships, where while Florida did not bring home any championships as a team, some individuals had some incredibly impressive performances. And again, a reminder that while we may not see them on TV all the time outside of Olympic windows, there are some world-class athletes that are uh, they're all over campus in sports that people probably don't follow as closely. Yeah, you know, we uh, we all know about uh, Caleb Dressel, even the uh, kind of casual Gator fan. He he emerged in from that those shadows, you know, to kind of capture their attention. But you know, there's another guy here, Josh Leendo, uh, Adam, and he's really uh, – whenever you um, kind of get mentioned in the same name as Dressel at the NCAA Championships, you know – you were doing something right, and that's what happened up in Minnesota. I mean, in the NCAA championships in the 100-yard freestyle, which Dressel has dominated uh, in the record books, Josh Leendo now is a third all-time in that event with a 40.28. And, uh, you know, like I said, whenever you get mentioned with Kate of Dressel, you're doing something well. And uh, the Gators overall went up, and both teams finished in the top 10 Uh in the team events, but you, like you said, Adam, they had some really impressive uh, performances uh, individually or even in the 400 free relay where they broke an NCAA record. Leendo was on that team with Adam Chaney, Julian Smith, McGuire, McDuff. So I think as Anthony Nesty, you know, looks toward future seasons, I think this is going to be one of those seasons you look back on as maybe, you know, providing the foundation for the next couple of years. Uh, from some of the individual performances we saw. Before we move on to our PAT, any other Gator notes we want to get to to make sure that we are that we're covering everything orange and blue? Yeah, I've got two. Uh, I'll step into Scott's world for a moment and remind everyone that Gators Gymnastics takes the next step in their march toward a possible national championship off to Pittsburgh for this weekend's regional championships. And then we seldom talk about lacrosse, but lacrosse is still ranked in the top 10, another 2-0 week. Emily Heller was named AAC Midfielder of the Week, and Becky Browndorf, AAC Defender of the Week, after their performances in that 2-0 week in conference play. So congratulations to Amanda O'Leary's team. Well, with all that being said... Let us move on to our PAT, uh, and uh, as I'm sure most of you, I hope that you're Ted Lasso fans. I didn't know there were people that, if there's people that aren't Ted Lasso fans, I've never met them, uh, but Ted Lasso is back, 
into season three, the final season. A lot of great shows are hitting their final season right now. But it got me thinking about uh, our favorite characters in sports, movies, TV shows. We've done a lot of, you know, your favorite this, whether it's a movie or I want to know your favorite fictional sports character. You know what, fellas? I mean, I just watched Creed 3 and I can't believe I've made it now through nine of those <laughs> franchise movies. So when I look back at all the Rocky movies, my favorite sports character is Rocky Balboa, the original, man. I even uh, have a hat like Rocky that Rocky wears. So I'm going to start pulling that out and maybe I wish I'd known it today that this was going to be a topic. I would probably warn it on the podcast <laughs> and turn my video on. Yeah. But, since, but, you know, he's the one that stands out. And then, of course... I'm a baseball guy, so I mean, Crash Davis to me in the all time in the best sports movie ever, Bull Durham. How can you not love Crash Davis? I'll I'll take one off the same movie. Uh, hard to ignore Duke Lelouch, uh, <laughs> upstart pitcher playing for the Durham Bulls. Uh, who could forget Chris Harry? Jackie Moon, of course, uh, of <laughs> basketball fame, played by one Will Ferrell. Uh, those would certainly stand out for me a little bit, and. Um, you know, if we're going to get more dramatic, how about Roy Hobbs from The Natural? I feel like baseball baseball is very conducive to this, definitely. I've never seen Ted Lasso. You've never seen Ted Lasso? No, I hear it's good, though. Wow. But I don't get Apple TV. Mm. I think knowing Scott and his uh, affinity for uh, Sylvester Stone, he, I'm surprised he didn't go with Lincoln Hawk from Over the Top, one of the, one of the truly great motion, motion pitchers of all time. Uh, uh, yeah. Arm arm wrestling. Uh, Are you and, saying uh, you're not a Rocky fan? No, I mean the first one I enjoyed it when I saw it. You know, and then there was there was then there were there was like 17 of them after that. It reminds <laughs> me of the you guys won't remember this TV show Taxi uh, from the from from the 1980s. I remember uh, uh, Tony Danza played. I forget his name in the in the show, but he was a, he was a boxer. He, and something came. Up, he goes it, yes. He goes he goes, that brings to mind a, a scene from my favorite movie rocky 2 where rocky and and judd hearst asking us how do you get them all uh how, how do you how do you keep them all straight and he goes they're numbered <laughs> right <laughs> like, i don't know how many could there's three creeds now yeah there's three creeds yeah and i guess yes. the star yes anyway uh my favorite character of uh, fictional is norman dale the coach of of uh hickory high in hoosiers uh gene hackman is one of the greatest actors of all time and um that's a movie that i think is is certainly I'm not going to say it's the greatest sports movie of all time, but certainly certainly one of the best. Uh, does it go over the top some? Yeah, of course it does. But uh, that's what makes sports movies great. Sports movies are really really hard to make. That's a really really good one. I still remember the one time that Gene Hackman showed up at a Gators football practice. Yeah, that's right. That's and I was, right. did he really? I remember yes, he uh, standing there on the fence and I saw this old guy and this and he looked like he could use a chair. So a football trainer brought him over a chair and he sat down. And, Hey, I said, how you doing? He said, how you doing? Had no idea it was Gene Hackman until practice was over. And I see Luke Del Rio and Jack Del Rio, and they're really good friends with Hackman. And he'd stopped in the town to watch uh, Luke Del Rio practice that day under McElwain. That's right. They were, for, they were friends from out in California. California. They, he had known each other. They had known each other apparently since Jack Del Rio played at USC or something like that. Yeah. So there was a there was a backstory there, and they remained friends and he uh he came down to Gainesville to uh with Jack when Jack was uh coaching the Jaguars I believe 
Um, is that he was he was he coaching the Jaguars or was he between jobs? He may have been between jobs at the time, or at least play defensive coordinator somewhere else. Yeah, I just know that Gene Hackman has to be ninety now. He just turned ninety three. I noticed because he's born the same year as my dad. He's the same age, same year that Clint Eastwood, Gene Hackman, and Robert Duvall was all born, all born in the same year. That's a that's wow. A, that's a, that's a pretty good year for actors, right there. Mm, yeah, it is. Uh, Adam, a good PAT, not anytime soon. Later on, uh, former athletes who became actors, like Shaq and Kazam, one of the great movies. Of course, of course. <laughs> I, I would go Kareem Abdul-Jabbar in airplane. But, yeah, you know, I'd say that. Yeah, sure. uh, <laughs> well, don't don't use up all the good ones now. Don't use up the good ones now. Um, but yes, yeah, another good crossover of sports and entertainment. The space of uh, the space that where we live. It, it's our happiest place. Uh, a final uh, a capper on this one. No love for Major League Wild Thing. Pedro Serrano. There's like a, a host of great characters just from that universe alone. Adam, you asked us to pick some favorites. We can't rattle them all off. No, I know. I there guess has to just, be a cut line. I, I guess I just wanted you to pick my favorites. If that's I'm a little more concerned. Did Chris say he's never seen Major League? I've never seen Major League. That is unreal. What? Man, what? What what do you watch? Do you watch Star Trek all the time, or do you watch <laughs> I Love Lucy? I have I've seen Star Trek. I haven't watched Star Trek in a long time. <laughs> From all the times you guys have been uh, incredulous at something that I'm lacking in my my knowledge, can we can we hold this one over Chris for a while? Or next time you guys think that I am missing some critical touchstone, I can say yeah, but Chris hasn't seen Major League. That's well, I know I mean, it's in your wheel. It's 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 like in your pop culture wheelhouse. I know because like pop culture is more important to you than just. I'm so I'm I'm sorry. You can't talk your way out of this one. No, I'm not. I'm not even trying to. Okay. All right. All right. Yeah. Major League homework. Yeah. Huh? Homework. No, like a two-star movie. Okay, I'll watch. Oh, cool. cool. Um, okay. So some homework for Chris, but I know there's there's a lot of homework you guys have because there's a lot going on in Gator Nation. We've talked about a lot of it here today, uh, and these guys are going to continue writing about it, covering it, making sure that you know what's happening with the orange and blue. So make sure to check out FloridaGators.com for all the content. Follow these guys on Twitter as well. Uh, and we will be back in two weeks to talk about it. All right, Adam. Thanks. Go Gators. When pouring over the football roster for the upcoming season, there are undoubtedly a lot of important question marks that need answers. But that is certainly not the case at running back, where the Gators will return one of the best backfield duos in the nation in Montreal Johnson and Trevor Etienne. As one of the younger players who's been forced to grow as a leader, we spoke to Johnson about the team taking shape in the spring, but began by learning more about his story and journey to wearing the orange and blue. As, uh, I grew up in New Orleans, Louisiana, uh, uptown New Orleans. Uh, I grew up in a single-parent household. Uh, my mother, uh, she raised me and two other siblings. I have a brother and a, uh, and a and a sister. I'm the oldest. Uh, my my brother is currently six years old. My my sister is 15. So you didn't have older siblings to look up to and and get you started in sports. So how did you get into sports? How did you get into football? I really asked my mom this question. Uh, she said like. She said I was in the house, you know, just doing nothing. She couldn't stand to just see me be in the house doing nothing. Uh, <laughs> I guess that's just how she was. So uh, she brought me to the park one day, and she brought me to this coach that she knew when she was younger. And uh, he he told me uh, he told me to run like to the gate. He was like, yeah, he he's gonna be a good football player. He's gonna be he's gonna play running back for us. 
So, and I just stuck with it all this way. So that was the first thought. I mean, I feel like if you could run like that, maybe you'd say like track, right? But why, why football? Because you can run in a lot of things. Why football instantly? Uh, my mom said that uh, she asked a lot of people like, what she like, what should she, what should she do with me? And a lot of them just said football, and I guess that's that was God's plan. What about positions? Were you immediately drawn to to being a running back? Did you play all over, and and that's where you ended up? How did you get to to that position? When I first started playing, yeah, I began I began as a running back, but I also played a linebacker as well. Uh, I, I did some some punching as well, uh, but uh, running back came natural to me, and that's what I stuck with from uh, elementary to high school to now. You you said you were punting as well. Yes, sir. <laughs> were, you, were, you, were you playing some soccer on the side? How did you? I, I've talked to a lot of guys who, and they say, "Yeah, I played quarterback. I was a, yeah, I was a DB." I've never heard running back, linebacker, and punter. That's a that's a different combo there. So uh, I was. Uh, it was like uh, after after practice. I was about six, seven years old. Uh, I was waiting. My mom to come pick me up from practice, and I was just playing around with the other kids, and we just started kicking the ball. And it was going pretty far up in the sky and, and pretty uh far as well. And the coach was like, "We're gonna try you out as as a punter." Do Do you think you could still do it if you went out and challenged the uh, the specialists today? You think you could maybe give them a little bit of a run? I, I might. I, I got faith in myself. If, if you went out right now and and tried to drop one, how far do you think you could hit it? I'll say at least fifty. Fifty. At least fifty. Yeah. Warming up. I got to warm up first, though. I got to warm okay. up. Okay. You're saying warm up, and you're going straight to fifty. Yes, sir. We got to make that happen. That's not, <laughs> this sounds. This this is the kind of stuff we need to see more of in spring football, right? That's the uh, halftime halftime of the orange and blue game punting competition. You get to be the star. Um, so I, I was told that growing up, you actually went to a school that was a that was a Spanish school, or there was a. Can you tell tell me about that? Because you, you didn't go to a, a, a traditional school. Tell us about that. Uh, so school I went to, uh, they taught uh, two languages. It was Spanish and French. So it was like one side of the uh, of the school was was French, and the other side was Spanish. I was on the Spanish side, and uh, they they taught like certain subjects in Spanish to uh, teach us Spanish. Like Spanish class was in Spanish, math was in Spanish, and I think that was the only two, and the rest was just English. So uh, I was in that school until the seventh kindergarten to the second the seventh grade. Wow. Uh, so yeah, I, I was learning Spanish. I'm starting to lose it a little bit, but I'm trying to get it back. Uh, I'm talking to some some people here, and they've been practicing with me. So you were you were fluent when you were growing up. Yes, sir. Wow. So why did you choose Spanish? Because obviously, you know, New Orleans, there's a, a strong French influence there. Why did you choose the Spanish side instead of the French side? I didn't really choose. It was just something they just put me in there. You talked about football. Was just, you, you love football? You're always into football. At what point? Did you realize that football wasn't just something you could do for fun, but it was something that could get you to say where you are today with opportunities to to really change your life and change your family's life? Uh, when I got to high school, my uh, my sophomore year, uh, I remember uh, I was second string running back, and the the starter went down. He had hurt his ankle, something like that, and I, I had I had broke a, a rushing record for like three hundred and fifty some yards in a single game, and I had five touchdowns and and my coach was like, yeah, you, you got the size, you got the ability, like you really could, you know, do something one day. You got to just stick with it and, and stay focused. And that's when I really like started taking it serious and, you know, looking into football and stuff like that. I guess it's not too long from there that you start getting noticed, you start getting offers. What do you remember about the start of that process and, 
And the first, what, what was the first offer you got? How early was that? Oh, the first offer I got, I think it was my sophomore year, I believe. It was Southeastern, Southeastern. What is it, Louisiana? That was my very first offer, and I was like, I was, I was full of joy because I, I didn't know how to react to it because <laughs> I didn't know it was coming. But yeah. So once that came in, did they start following pretty quickly? Like, what was the process like? Was it was it slow the whole time, or was it like you get an offer and then other people start seeing you and it starts rolling? Yeah, it was kind of slow to be honest. Uh, after my first offer, I probably got the, the next one uh, uh, a couple months after. And then, like, really, my like my the off season for my junior year. That's when I started like really getting like the, the real offers and stuff like that. And that's when it came rolling in, and that's when I started like really seeing progress in my game. So when you started doing official visits, going through the process, what was important to you? What what did you really look for when you were checking out of school and trying to decide if that should be your your spot? Honestly, I, I never really got to do officials, you know, because of uh, COVID and stuff oh, like that. Oh, you're right. I forgot about the timing of that. You're right. Okay, so, how, yeah. so that, that's that's even harder. How did you how did you make those decisions with this weird recruiting landscape? Uh, I was taking, like, virtual visits. Like, it was weird. It was so weird. I was taking uh, virtual visits. Uh, but like, I was I was looking into, like, how many uh, running backs, like, that, that they have on roster, stuff like that, you know, it's common stuff. I was looking at the scheme that they run. Like, is it similar to the, the scheme I ran in high school, stuff like that. Uh, I'm looking at uh, how many guys they put in the NFL, stuff like that. I'm looking like I'm looking for like uh, a family, really. Like, can a, does does the coaching staff, you know, have relationships with my family? You know, do they know my family? Do they know what, my my background, really? And that's that's the main thing I really focus on when d- deciding. Hmm. Well, you ultimately decided on Louisiana with Billy Napier at the time. What was it about Coach Napier about the staff that that told you that was the place for you? Honestly, my my whole recruiting process went left. I ain't gonna lie. I was uh actually committed to Arizona, and they their their whole coaching staff got fired, so I decommitted. And now now I'm only left with three offers, hmm. and it's uh it's Tulane, Louisiana, and it's LA Tech. And at the time, you know, Louisiana they they're doing great. They you know they're ranked in the nation. Mm-hmm. You know, they just won the uh the championship and their bowl game. So I'm like, yeah, why why not Louisiana? Sometimes you got to adapt, right? <laughs> that's, yeah. a, that's a good life lesson. Um, so okay, so you have your freshman year, and then and then there's change again. Uh, Coach Napier and a lot of the staff come to Florida. How quickly did you decide you wanted to follow? Obviously, for you that that's leaving close to home. So what went into the decision to come be a Gator? Uh, really, I just knew that you know they were going to treat me like family here, and I, and I know I had the opportunity to you know come in and play, and so I, I took it really. In terms of that transition, what was the most challenging part of adjusting to everything at Florida? Whether it's whether it's the classes, the the size of the football program, campus. What were the toughest parts of that for you? The main one for me was just getting to know new people. You know, getting to know a new locker room. Uh, it was very tough for me because I'm honestly I'm an introvert. I don't I don't talk very often. Well, yeah, it, it was getting like getting to know new people, you know, people getting to know me. And I was a very quiet guy at the time. And, you know, I was kind of shy, you know. In terms of the locker room, a big part of that is is your position group, the room that you're in, right? You go mm-hmm. into the running backs room. It's a crowded room, right? There's a lot of talented guys there. But it seems like the chemistry throughout last year was really, really strong. So what was it about that room that worked so well and you coming into that as the new guy? I think what worked so well with us was that we 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 cheer each other on. 
uh, it, it doesn't matter who's in the game or, you know, it doesn't matter who's doing what. Like, we're, we're going to cheer for the next person. And that's, that's what I think that made, makes us a, a great room. You know what I mean? And I think that everyone, you know, needs to follow that. So, obviously, like, everybody wants the ball, right? Do you feel like your personalities, ma- like, mesh well? Like, not every room is going to work, right? Not all personalities are going are gonna to mesh well. What is it about the group that, that worked, do you think? Uh, I just think that uh, – like I said, it was it was that you know we wanted each other to we wanted each other to win. Like me me personally, I don't care if I get the ball. Like if it comes, it comes. Like I I just want to win. To be honest with you, and that's what I think uh, really matters in the football program is it's about like if you want to win. In terms of playing in the swamp for the first time, what was that like? I'm curious. What were your expectations for it, and then what was the reality of it? My expectations was the reality. Uh, I, I expected it to be loud. You know. Uh, humid. Uh, it was everything that I thought it would be. Uh, yeah. And I was I was very excited that game. I was a little nervous uh, from the start, and I'm glad I got those jitters out. But it was it was a very exciting game. I wish I could go back to that moment. It's, it's forever stuck in my head. Yeah. You mentioned the humidity. Uh, I'm curious how does the how does Gainesville humidity compare to New Orleans humidity? To be honest, it's pretty much the same. But the only difference that I have like is. The fans make it more humid. You know what I mean? There's more <laughs> yeah. people around you, yeah. So that that's 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 the difference. There's <laughs> a lot. There's a lot of body heat in there as well, yeah. right? A lot. Of, yeah, it's just the whole thing mixing together. Um, right, so you mentioned the opener, obviously being a, a memorable time from last year. What other moments stand out from the season for you? When you think back on it, what jumps to the the top of your mind? Uh, probably t- the Tennessee game. Uh, I enjoyed playing there. It was it was a loud it was a loud game. It, like it was so loud that the ground was shaking. Mm. It, it was a very like I, I ain't gonna say it was enjoyable, but I just like the scenery. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I feel like with with running back duos, a lot of times you have this the thunder and lightning kind of thing, right? Two backs that complement each other well, uh, and and you and and Trevor seem to really create that over the course of the year. How do you think that your games complement each other? So I think that me and Trevor. You know how you, how you said thunder and lightning. Mm-hmm. I think we're we're both lightning. You know we have the ability to you know both hit home run plays, and you know a lot of times you know I wear down the defense. You know I'm the, I'm the bigger back, so mm-hmm. I wear down the defense and he'll come in. You know hit a home run and I come right behind him hit him home run. So that that's why I think that this duel you know it, it makes itself you know perfect. Yeah, and in terms of what you guys did your first year together, it's not too often that you have a second chance for that duo to roll, but. It's almost like you guys get a whole second season of that, which is, is pretty rare. What do you think this season will bring in terms of what the two of you are able to create and, and the problems that you make for defenses? I think this season will be great because, you know, it's, this is both our first, I mean, our second time uh, in the SEC. So I think, you know, we have more experience on that part. And we, we know what they, what they expect now. We, we know that, you know, uh, the team is relying on us. Uh, we we kind of taking that that leadership role to you know guide the team and lead the team off the field as well and in the locker room. So we're you know we're taking it step by step. Yeah, I think you you mentioned how you've grown just in terms of being a leader and and stepping up and and speaking out. In what other ways do you think you've grown the most going back a year from when you first got to Gainesville to where you are today? How do you feel like you've changed? I think I've changed by being more vocal. Uh, you like I said, I, I'm an introvert. Uh, I've been trying to, you know, come, come out of my shell and, you know, just be more vocal and, you know, introduce myself to more people. And I think that I've gotten better with it over time. And that that's really the main thing I've been working on, you know, just trying to, you know, introduce myself to people and, and work on my 
my extrovertedness. <laughs> we're making it, it. I don't think it's a thing, but we're making it a thing for the purposes of this. In terms of guys at the next level, players you've looked up to, who do you model your game after? Are there any particular backs that, that you always maybe watch some of their film and try and study what they do? Uh, I like to watch Al Kamara film, Saquon Barkley. Uh, growing up, I was a I was a Saints fan, so I watched Reggie Bush a lot. And yeah, th- those guys. Yeah, that's a that's a pretty good group of guys to to follow. Uh, in terms of what's happening right now in the spring, a spring camp is kind of a weird thing, I think, for fans because you don't really know what's going on, right? There's a lot of stuff happening behind the scenes. The season's six months away, but there's important work happening right now. So. In your mind, what have been the most important things the team is working on during spring practice? Uh, I'll say like uh, off the field things, uh, such as like uh, team bonding activities, because that that's where the team becomes a team when they when, you know when, when everyone bonds and get along together. It's not the on the field things. Like when you when you bond off the field, the on the field things are going to come all together full circle, and that's that's one thing that uh, Coach Napier has been very. Uh, you know, vivid about he he always tells us that you know we have to be a team, you know we have to uh, have each other's back and stuff like that. And I think that everyone has has bought it to that. Hmm. This is your second spring, and obviously the last one was new for everybody. In what ways do you feel like this time around is different? Does it feel like again because that people have been there longer? Everyone just has a better sense of of how things are going to go and how it fits into the overall plan of, of the the program. Yeah, uh, my second time around uh, is definitely better because, you know, I, I know what they expect now. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know what they expect. I can guide the young guys. I, I can tell them and what they expect and stuff like that. So, yeah. So I'm not going to ask you who the starting quarterback's going to be because you don't know. And even if you did, you couldn't probably tell us. Uh, but what have the quarterbacks been like? Because obviously you're working in a lot of new guys. Um, what it, What's it been like in practice? You obviously, as, as a running back, you spent a lot of time with those guys. So what's that been mm-hmm. like so far? It's been a lot of rotating. Uh, those guys have been taking reps. Uh, Max Brown, Graham, Jack, all those guys have been rotating, you know, competing for the spot. And they and they know that, that they're in competition, you know what I mean? Uh, competition is healthy. Uh, they they know that. And I, I like that they've, they've taken on the challenge. I've seen all those guys in the building 24-7. And I like that they've, they've taken on the challenge. Uh, I've been seeing a lot of great things from those guys. I'm, I'm happy to see who's going to be the starter in the future. So your your old starter is also in a competition of his own at, at the moment, seeming like he's going to be one of the top picks in the NFL draft. Uh, what's it been like for you and for the guys to see just how quickly everything has blown up around Anthony and the way people are talking about him now all across the country? So we we all knew this was going to happen. Uh, <laughs> we, we know we know the athlete that uh, Anthony Richards. We like we know that what, what type of athlete he is, so we all know that like, that teams were going to be foaming at the mouth for him. So, we it wasn't really like a, a surprise for us. We already knew it was going to happen. You certainly called that one. Uh, you're, <laughs> you're right on top of that. Um, a few final things for you. Once spring practice is done after the orange and blue game, uh, then from a, a fan standpoint, people don't see you again until fall camp. What mm-hmm. what goes on for that, I guess, four or five months once spring ball is over until fall camp comes around? What kind of work are you doing? What I mean, what, what team activities go on? What do you have to do on your own in the summer? What What's that plan like? Uh, so uh, from, from time to time, uh, from May to the summer, uh, a lot of family time going on, uh, a lot of, you know, personal work going on, trying to, you know, better myself, things of that nature. 
Yeah, it's, it's a little bit of all that. Uh, you know, uh, me, and, me and some teammates might, you know, might might go to uh, Texas or Dallas or something like that and work out together and stuff like that. And I go, we we like the bowl. I go, we 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 love the bowl. So okay. A lot of that will be going on. Uh, I, I recently bought my own ball, so I'm, you got a ball. Wait, you went, you're going all in. I'm locked in right now. I'm locked in. We got we got to get you a, an, an NIL deal with uh, with the bowling alley, right? <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm locked in right now. So I've been, we've, been, we've been going almost every day, practicing bowling. Wow. Uh, and a lot of time goes to my family as well. Like I said, you know, they they rarely get to see me. A lot of personal work goes on too, like workouts and footwork stuff like that, lifting weights. Yeah. So there, there really isn't like there, there really isn't an off season. Yeah, there, no, no off season. <laughs> so who, who's part of the bowling crew? Like who's part of the competitive bowling crew? Jason Marshall, Karan Rackley, and Anthony Richardson. Okay, that's the three that's challenging me. What kind of numbers are we talk about? And if you've got your own ball, you 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 better have a good number here. What what are we averaging these days? 150, 170. Okay. My highest game is 200 and something. You hit a 200? Yes, sir. Wow. Has anybody else got a 200 or are you the only one to do it? Karan Rackley and Jason Marshall, they have, they've hit it. But Anthony Richards, he he just he just started like really bowling. He just got his ball about last week. So the problem is he's probably going to be better than everybody in a week or two, right? That's the problem. <laughs> <laughs> you got you to gotta keep winning while you can, I guess. All right, so when you're not bowling, you're not spending time with family. In in theory, in this summer, when you've got free time, what are you going to spend that time doing? When I have free time in the summer, uh, most likely just relaxing, playing video games. Uh, I like to play Madden 2K, Call of Duty, you know, stuff like that. Uh, a lot of it goes to napping, too. You, you got to have your naps. Got, yeah, got to get to sleeping. Got yeah. to. So, okay, final question for you. I know this is important because this is important to everybody who's from Louisiana, especially New Orleans. Um, what kind of food are you missing when you're in Gainesville that you've got to get the second you go back home? Uh, mixing gumbo, crawfish, shrimp pasta, etouffee, jambalaya. The, li- the list goes on. The, you yeah. know, the, li- yeah. the list goes on. Uh, what else can I say? Oh, uh, you ever had seafood uh, lasagna? I have not. You gotta try it. But I could, I could guess what it's like though, just based on the name. Uh, <laughs> have you, have you found anywhere in Gainesville that can give you anything close to what you need to feel like you're back home, or is it just, it's, it's not a, is it, is it like bowling? Is it, a, is it a no contest? It's no contest. It's not even close. Not even close. Not even close. Is it not hot enough? Like, is it, people are trying to make that kind of food, right? It's got to be someone's got to right. be at least faking it, sort of well, right? Oh, uh, I tried this one place. It's called Gainesville Gainesville Seafood. Okay. Is yeah, that, that's pretty good. Yeah, I like that. So people are trying, but when you go home, there's nothing else like it. Yeah, nothing else like. It. Okay. Well, we hope that you get a lot of that good food this summer. We wish you a lot of luck the rest of spring. And uh, thank you so much for talking with us today. I appreciate you. And that's going to do it for this week's show. If you haven't already done so, please subscribe to Gator Tales wherever you get your podcasts and leave us a review to help us continue to grow. Be sure to keep track of all of the orange and blue action by visiting FloridaGators.com, then come back here every Thursday during the athletic season for an all-new episode. Until then, I'm Adam Schick. Thank you so much for tuning in to Gator Tales.